The Movement Church is all about passionate people who build authentic relationships to reach limitless potential and serves Orange County, California. For more information, visit us online at theocmovement.com. We hope you enjoy this message from The Movement. I'm going to preach a message today. It's one of my favorite sermons. We did a series the first year of our, of our church called Jonah, and we took a journey through the life of Jonah, and I kind of pulled together one sermon out of all of those from that entire series, and this by far is my favorite. So buckle your proverbial seatbelts, click, clack, and let's have some fun. Can I get an amen? amen? Man, I feel kind of angsty and excited. I may just come up there and preach today. It'll be fun. It may be because I'm wearing sweatpants and I'm sweating. Bad idea, but we'll move on. So listen, how many of you have kids? Raise your hands right now. Awesome. How many of you have ever been a kid? Raise your hand right now. Okay, so everybody can relate to this story I'm about to tell, right? I've got two girls. Most of you know that. Many of you don't. My house is chocked full of estrogen, right? It just happens. It just wafts through the air in my house. And, man, girls are a little different than boys. Boys are kind of rambunctious and all over the place. And girls, when they decide to do something wrong, they're sneaky. Sneaky. Quiet sneaky, like sniper ninja sneaky, right? And I was taking care of the kids, and, and you know, I, I'm not as good as my wife is. At, I just don't have that maternal instinct, and I'm just kind of learning how to get better at that. And there was a time I was watching them, and Avery, my youngest, was about four years old at the time, and I was looking for her. I couldn't find her anywhere. I even did my famous whistle. And that whistle, most people, even on our team, know that whistle. That means Pastor Kerry is somewhere around here and looking. If I whistle that and my girls are within earshot, they know they don't go, yes, sir. They just run as fast as they can to get to me. So if you ever hear me going, I expect you to run to me, okay? And so I'm whistling. I'm yelling for my daughter, Avery. Avery, hey, Avery, where you at? Avery Lane Robinson, right? You know when you get to the middle name, it's bad news bears. Nobody? You, your mom or dad didn't call your middle name, and that meant death is coming? Okay. All right. This is a little parenting tip there. Middle name means death is coming. Avery Lane, where are you at? Avery. And I'm walking through the house, and I finally get into... sounds like our house is huge. It's very small. <laughs> this took me like seven seconds. I get into the master bedroom, and I'm looking around, and I notice that the curtains that are drawn back on either side of the window, one side of the curtains was just a little lumpier than the other side of the curtains. So I know now where my daughter is. And I walk over to the lumpy side of the curtains and I pull the curtains back and Avery looks up at me. Her mouth is closed, full of food. An empty chocolate chip bag in her hand. Chocolate all over her face. (laughs) With the guilty look, right? You know what I'm talking about? Chocolate all over Hans' face. I'm looking at her, I go, did you eat those chocolate chips? She goes, "Mm -mm." (laughs) mm-mm. Avery, did you eat those chocolate chips? Mm -mm. (laughs) She's trying to swallow them as fast as she can. I go, Avery, there's chocolate on your face. Did you eat those chocolate chips? Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm-mm. Like four or five times this went on. And finally, she swallowed the chocolate chips. And Avery, did you eat those chocolate chips? And she said, yes. I said, why didn't you ask me if you could have the chocolate chips? And she said something so profound. She said, I didn't want you to tell me no. 
So that makes sense. You know, give me some extra. There's some in there. And we just kind of walked in and ate some chocolate chips and watched a TV show. And, and I didn't, that didn't happen. But really, that's, that, that's exactly how I found her there eating chocolate chips. And she didn't want to ask me because if I said no, she would have to be obedient. And if she wasn't obedient, the consequences are far more severe than the fact that I found her eating chocolate chips. And it dawned on me as I'm having this parent moment with my four-year-old, I can identify with her. Because there are times still in my life where I don't want to be obedient. When God speaks to me or I hear a sermon or I'm reading the scriptures or even just in life, the things that I know that I know that I know that I know I should not do or I should do, I'm still challenged with the idea of being obedient. Can anyone relate? There's times when you feel like the Holy Spirit is kind of prompting you just that you shouldn't do that or you should change this. Or you should step away from that. Or maybe it was that time many years ago where you heard or felt like God was calling you to a deeper relationship. Or placed a calling of ministry on your life. Or said, hey, I've set you apart to do something great. And through the course of years, you or just maybe like me sometimes kind of slowly drifted. And you didn't follow the obedience that you knew was the right thing to do. I think many of us really struggle with this idea, especially those of us who are here today say we are Christ followers, that we have invited Jesus to be the leader of our life. I think that many of us in this room still struggle with the idea and the notion of being completely obedient. But do you know what's awesome? We have a God who knows that we're going to struggle with this. And so he had one of his servants named Jonah Write down the story of his life for you and for me so that when we struggle with obedience, we can look and see here is what happens and here is how we can identify ways to follow the voice of God when he speaks. And today I want to just break apart a couple chapters of this and a couple passages of the story of Jonah because I believe that at the end of this message, you and I will be able to identify the Jonah in all of us, the Jonah in all of us. And we're going to start reading today in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It'll be on the screens and you can follow along. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'd love to get you a Bible. But the greatest thing is there's a Bible on your smartphone called Version. It's an amazing app and you can read along with us in there. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. And call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. It's the weirdest sounding city, but it still it was what it was. So he paid the fare and he went on board to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Identifying the Jonah... In all of us, identifying the Jonah in all of this. And before I actually dive into four components of this, I want to start with verse one. Verse one of that passage that we just read. 
Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Hey, everybody look at me in the eyes for just one moment. Look at me right here, just for just a minute. Listen, I want you to know this, that God wants to speak to you today. Right where you're at, in the midst of whatever situation that you're going through, in the midst of any circumstance, regardless of how your faith in Him has been prior to this moment, regardless of the actions or decisions that you made prior to this moment, look at me in the eyes, God wants to speak to you today. In fact, that's His desire on a regular basis. To speak to you and to me. And think about that. We could literally pause and not preach another sermon or say another thing. The creator of the heavens and the earth. The one who said, let there be light. And there was light. The one who scooped up some dirt and formed it and fashioned it and went and breathed life into humanity and created man. That same God wants to speak to you today. And it's not like you might see portrayed in the movies where the clouds part and trumpets come out. He just wants to speak to you in the essence of who you are right now. Look at me, and the question is this, for you and for me today. When he speaks, what will our response be? Will we be obedient to him? What will we do with what he shares with you and me? What will we do when he speaks? The Jonah in all of us. The Jonah in all of us. Four things that I believe might illuminate the Jonah in all of us. Number one is that God will often ask you to do things that you do not want to do. Hey, look at me in the eyes for just a moment. You and I need to know this, especially if you're here today and you say, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I prayed a prayer and said, God, I give you my life. You need to know that God will often ask you to do things that you don't want to do. Just like my four-year-old little Avery sitting behind the curtains, eating some chocolate chips, who didn't want to ask permission because she was afraid I would say no and tell her she had to do something or couldn't do something that she wanted to do. And you get this, right? Because we all have opinions, all of us. You ever heard someone say, well, they're just really opinionated. Well, everyone is really opinionated. Some people are just a little more vocal about it. Can I get an amen? If you're married to that person, say amen real loud. I didn't hear you, Megan. I thought you was for sure. Oh, you're so sweet. So much affirmation today. We have opinions about everything, especially the important ones, like Tapatio versus Sriracha, right? And it's Sriracha all the way. Can I get an amen for Sriracha? For, oh, man, you guys are all going to heaven. The rest of you are praying for you right now. The biggest debate in my house is which way the toilet paper flap should go. Should it go behind or on top and over? And listen, it definitely matters because Jesus is watching. It always goes on top and over. Can I get an amen for the on top? and? Oh, yeah, that's right. See, my wife's like, it doesn't really matter. And I'm like, yes, it does. Pull and tear, babe. Pull and tear. If it's on the bottom, it just keeps rolling. This is problematic. Then you're trying to get it back on the roll, and that's just nasty. Nobody wants to come back to that. Like a recycled toilet paper roll. Come on, people. These things matter. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. God will often ask you to do things that you don't want to do. God speaks to Jonah. What does he say? Get up and go to Nineveh. 
Go to that city and you tell them, right? It's in verse 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. You know, here's the challenge with Nineveh. Jonah literally was justifiable in his response, at least according to our human intellect. Because Nineveh was not this sweet, cute, cozy Laguna Niguel, Mission Viejo, you know, perched by the beach in perfection. We'll be complaining when it's 78 degrees outside. Come on. Nobody? You ever notice that? Like the last few weeks it's been hot. Like, ew, ew. And it's like 76. <laughs> People from like <laughs> the southeast states are like, this is amazing. Walking around in Speedos and they shouldn't be. And anyways... Jonah, God speaks to Jonah and says, get up and go to Nineveh and speak out against it. Why? Because their evil has come up before me. In other words, there's something about the way that they are living that is so foul. Someone needs to go and tell them to change their ways. And if you knew anything about Nineveh, you would know, man, you don't want to go there. They were known for being treacherous, like pure evil, like ISIS style pure evil. When they would go and besiege a town, they would surround it. And listen, historically, it was known that some cities would commit mass suicide when Nineveh would surround them. They would commit mass suicide because they knew that once the Ninevites got inside, they would take all of the men. They would bring them outside of the city. Guys, I need to let you know, this service is PG-13. Always will be. You need to know that, okay? They would bring them outside of the city. They would boil them until their skin would fall out, bury them up to their necks, and stake their tongue into the ground while they were still alive. So they would literally go insane before they died. And once they died, they would decapitate them and make a pyramid of their heads outside the city just to say, we Nineveh, we bad, don't jack with us. And what they would do to the women and children is unthinkable, and I can't even mention it in this room right now. So when God spoke to Jonah and said, yo, get up and go tell Nineveh that I am disgusted with them and they are done and doomed, It kind of makes sense to me what Jonah did. I'm thinking, deuces, Tarshish, here I come. Right? Isn't that like our life? We always feel like we're justified in our disobedience. You know, I don't know any of you that God said, hey, it's time to go to Syria and Iraq and preach against ISIS yet. If that's happened, please come talk to me first. We'll talk through that. But for most of us, what are the things that the Holy Spirit might put on our heart? Hey, it's time to forgive this person. You don't know what they did to me. How they broke my heart. How they violated me. They were unfaithful. And you're telling me, you're telling me I need to forgive them? We walked down that aisle and we stood face to face, and we made a vow until death do us part, forsaking all others, and and they broke that covenant, and now you're telling me to forgive? I don't think so, God. I don't think so, God. Maybe, Maybe you're here and you're dating, and the Holy Spirit's been like, hey, 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 you need to drop that dude like a freaking shotgun. Get, just kick him to the curb. But you don't, he, babe, 
Mm. He's my bae. I don't even know what that means. I hate it. Hashtag hate it. My boo. God, I'm pretty sure he's a Christ follower. How do you know? He went to church once. 15 years ago, and he's 16. It was Christmas. He was in a stroller. He said it was awesome. Your mom and your dad have been like, what are you doing? Even, listen, there might be some of you who are hearing what I'm saying. Well, he's not talking about me because he's talking about dropping that dude. And you're dating a chick. So he could be talking to me. Are y'all, you feel what I'm saying right now? Why is it so hard for us? Because we can justify in our own mind. We're great at bending the narrative to support our own opinion. Maybe, hold on, can we just, let's get real quiet for a minute. Maybe it's in the area of tithing. Air always leaves the room. I love the commandment about don't commit adultery, don't kill, honor your father and mother. But when you start talking about tithing, I'm out. I'm out. Can we do half percent, two percent? That's cool, right? I mean, don't talk to me about it. You just talk to God. And some people, we just went teetering on this line of what should I do? And God just saying, man, hey, why don't you just be obedient? You know, the other one that I think we, we struggle with is just maybe later, God. Not right now. It's too crazy. It's too busy. It's too silly, man. I, just, God, it doesn't, it doesn't make logical sense in this moment. So maybe later I'll pursue that. You put this in front of me. You asked me to step up and do or to stop, cha- to change this addiction, to get rid of that. And maybe later, God, that's when it'll be the time for me to do that. But listen, delayed obedience is still disobedience. Right? We do that to our kids. Johnny, get over here. One, two. If I get to three, so help me. And I'm thinking nothing's going to happen. Three, don't make me say four. Four, don't make me say five. There's so many in our neighborhood that counts like 17. What are you teaching your kids? Nothing is going to happen. Or they would come at one. Y'all are angry at me now. If you have to count, they don't understand obedience. Why are you so angry at me? I'm not saying you've raised a demon. I'm just suggesting if you have to count... They may not understand obedience because when you say come here, they're not being obedient. Why am I talking like this? Y'all, y'all feel what I'm saying? And then we do that with God maybe later. Like, Stuart, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. It's still disobedience. It's still disobedience. Are y'all with me? I just said with. Are you with me? I love what Erwin McManus says. He says, the mark of spiritual maturity is lag time. The distance between the command of God and my obedience. Now I get it. Some things may feel intense. And that's exactly what Jonah was saying. I'm out. 
You need to know that when God speaks, sometimes he's going to ask you to do things that you don't want to do. Number two, you will always, always, always be able to find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. Every time you'll be able to find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. Why? Because the enemy, the devil, does not want us to accomplish the things that God has for us. So there will always be a number of distractions going the opposite direction to keep us from accomplishing all that God has for us. That's not even in my notes. That was powerful. Jonah chapter 1 verse 3. Listen to this. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish to flee what? From the presence of the Lord. And this place wasn't like a city just around the bend. We're talking, this was 2,500 miles away. It might take half a year to get there at times in the way that they would have to sail and maneuver to Tarshish. We're talking, this thing was a long ways away. And some of us can relate. God spoke, but we haven't been obedient. And for some of us, we've been running in the opposite direction in a full-on sprint. But for some of us, it's not a full-on sprint in the opposite direction. It's just simply a tiny drift. When I first moved here, I thought, I'm in Orange County. I need to know how to surf. That's biblical, right? Can I get an amen? So I went to Costco because they sell everything from steaks to fly swatters to mixers and clothing. That's horrible. And also surfboards. So me and a friend, Jeremy, decided let's get some Costco boards and let's go surfing at the worst place you could go longboard surfing with a Costco foamy. And a tsunami came at that moment. It was awesome. We point braked it. It was so rad. And uh, we were out there just kind of sitting. It was flat as could be. And we were just hanging out, talking, and don't know what we're doing. I think our wetsuits were on backwards. Who cares? <laughs> and after about 30 minutes of sitting out in the water, we looked back at shore, and we realized we were about 350, 400 yards away. We had been caught in a rip current and started getting sucked out to sea. So we panicked. Like legitimate little girl panic, screaming, <laughs> And we're paddling as fast as we can. Well, we don't know that when there's a rip current, you can't go straight up the beach. You've got to go parallel and kind of work your way back. So we're like, ah! and we're like freaking out, paddling, trying to get back as fast as we can. And this kid on the shore yells, hey, you idiot, paddle this way. So we did. And it started working. We roll in like army crawl up the beach and like prayed and did like a genuflex and like stuck a flag in the ground. Like, thank you, Jesus. It was awesome. And I think that so many of us are like that in life. We're not paying attention, and more importantly, we're not being obedient. And instead of actually heading towards what God has for us, we're slowly drifting away. The problem is the moment we realize it, the journey back to the shore is so much more difficult than if we've been paying attention and, more importantly, been obedient in the first place. You might be here today saying, man, there was a time when I would read and Everything that I would read in the Word, it would just made so much sense. And it was alive and it was like just so spectacular. And I could hear God speaking to me. But it's just been so long. When perhaps you found a ship sailing in the opposite direction. It's time to come back to Him.
You'll always find that boat sailing in the opposite direction. Number three, when you're on the run, God may send a storm to grab your attention. This doesn't mean that everything that's bad that happens in life is from God. But you need to know that when you are running from God's purpose, trajectory, plan for your life, he may send a storm to grab your attention. I love what we read in Jonah chapter 1 verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So that the ship threatened to break up. So here's Jonah running from the presence of the Lord, fleeing to Tarshish. And the Bible says that God sent a great storm to begin to threaten the integrity of the ship. It was so bad, the sailors who had been doing this their entire life were freaked out about what was happening. They didn't understand the nature of the storm. They knew that it was something different because they began to panic and pray and figure out what is it that is going on. Verses 8 through 10 says this, Then they, the sailors, said to Jonah, Tell us whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, Jonah? Because the storm that we're in is not a natural, normal storm. This is something bigger than that right now. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what are your people? What people are you? And he, being Jonah, said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is it that you have done? What are you doing that's caused the storm to come? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Now think about that line. It says, Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. And I think if I could talk to Jonah, I would ask him in that moment and say, Really, Jonah? Do you really fear the Lord? The scripture says in Proverbs that to fear the Lord means to hate evil. And I can't be disobedient to God and hate evil at the same time. Do you really fear the Lord? Or is this just a name tag, a title that you've given yourself because you happen to be a Hebrew. And I feel like for so many of us, we have decided to live in a culture of Christianity, but we don't really know what it's like to live as a son or daughter of the Most High King. That we like the title, we like to punch in and punch out on a Sunday morning and feel good, laugh at the good-looking white pastor, drink some free coffee, and head back into my normal surreal life. We'll leave God at the kaleidoscope and I'll see you back here in a couple days. I feel like we know a culture of Christianity. We just know him in name only. And as long as God's saying something that I like or I'm cool with and I dig this, this is good. Okay, I'll take that, God. Then I'll be obedient. But the moment that what you have for me, God, intersects with what I want for me, I'm going to pull, I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm going to wait a little bit because I'm just not so sure about that. And I think, man, you just got to know, if you're here today and you're a Christ follower, if you're on the run, God may send a storm to get your attention. 
He may send a storm to get your attention. The sailors were freaking out. What do we do? Where do we go and how does this thing work? I mean, you listen, if you're fleeing from the presence of the Lord, then, then how do we handle this and what is our next step? And Jonah said in chapter 1, verses 12, he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. The sailors freaked out. They're thinking, wait, you're a servant of God, the one who sent this storm, and now you're telling us that we need to throw you overboard? I think not. So they start throwing the cargo over, anything to save the ship, but it didn't matter because God was trying to get the attention of Jonah because God's plan for Jonah was so much greater than Jonah could possibly know. Because God knew that if Jonah would just simply be obedient, the future was, that was ahead was bright. Even though it might have challenges, you want to go far with God than you want to go with on, yourself, on your own. Y'all tracking with me? So he said, hey, no, no, it's not going to work. The sailors tried to throw the cargo over, but it didn't work at all. So finally they turned to Jonah. They pick him up and they hurl him over the ship. Most of you know this story, mostly because of VeggieTales, but probably because you've been a church around, around church long enough. And this brings us to point number four. Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what he needed. Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what he needed. Jonah chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. So they picked up Jonah, and they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Now, guys, this is not like Pinocchio, where they're sitting and having a campfire, and look at me, I'm a real boy. There's a fish bowl and a cat, and that's not what this was like. It doesn't even say a whale, it says a great fish. So we're talking about Jonah for three days is in the midst of complete darkness. Surrounded by the entrails of a fish. With stomach acid eating at his body and his skin. So we're not talking about something that's cute and funny that we laugh about. We're talking about this is a nightmare. This is the worst place you could possibly want to be. But it was exactly what Jonah needed. It was exactly what Jonah needed. Some of you right now may be facing your worst nightmare. You may be facing the greatest financial crisis that you've ever experienced in your life. And you're wondering, how am I going to pay my next bill? How am I going to buy the groceries that I need to buy to feed my family? Are we going to be able to stay in this home for another month or is this it? We're so far behind. I got to hide where I park my car because I'm afraid they're going to come and pick it up. You may be facing your greatest financial crisis ever. But it may be the exact, same, the exact thing that you need for God to get your attention. 
You might be in the midst of a relationship that is hemorrhaging, like internal bleeding, and you don't know how to make it stop. And you remember what it felt like in the beginning. Or maybe when you look back to the beginning, you think, man, I I just kind of accidentally got into this relationship. And now here I am. I've got a family. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix this thing. I don't know where to go. You might be facing your greatest nightmare. Or maybe for some of us, it's the unknown that is before us. I just don't know what's around the bend. What's next for me? And it's so overwhelming that I'm crippled with fear. But I want you to know right now, in the midst of your greatest nightmare, God wants to show up and do something miraculous. In the midst of your greatest nightmare, God's saying, hey, wait, do I have your attention? Because I'm not finished with you yet. I'm not done writing your story yet. I'm not done with what I have planned for you yet. You may feel down, but you're not out. We're not over yet. The fat lady has not sung. I still have plans for you, plans to prosper you and to keep you, plans to give you a future and a hope. You see, what Jonah did in the middle of the belly of this fish is he began to pray. He turned his attention and his focus back on who God is. And he says, God, I'm here in this place. I don't know if you'll be willing to forgive me, but give me another chance. Give me another chance. Many of you have been around long enough to know that Megan and I, my wife and I were youth pastors for 12 years before we planted this church. And we had the opportunity and the privilege to work with so many amazing teenagers and Literally to see so many stories unfold and to see some of the craziest things ever. And there was a kid who came through our youth ministry and his name was Lance. This guy was the most passionate, zealous leader I've ever seen. He'd say, hey, let's go jump off a cliff into one inch thick mud. And everybody like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And they would run and follow him. He'd say, whatever he did, people would follow. And it was this amazing thing. And he was so on fire for God. He led a Bible club at his school and had a hundred people coming out weekly to talk about Jesus on a school freaking campus. It was rad. Then Lance started to slowly drift. And that slow drift turned into a full on sprint. And I talked to him one day and he said, Pastor Kerry, I found out that if you pursue evil, you'll find it. He's 17 years old and he and his brother started selling cocaine and methamphetamines and a few other things. One day while his brother was out making a drop, he overdosed in a hotel room. And long story short, the cops end up knocking on the door. They come in the room and find him passed out with tons of drugs and tons of cash. 17. 17 years old. To make a statement, the judge sentenced him to five years in a state penitentiary. 17 years old. Not like the cute little county jail, the big house. He said he's sitting there in this jail cell. And he's getting all of the graduation posts and cards from his 
friends that he should be graduating with. Announcements of their graduation party. He's 17, had to drop out of high school. Sitting across the glass talking to his mom on the phone. She's just crying, going, how do we get to this place? He said, Pastor Carries, I sat in the jail cell on the second day. The only thing that I knew to do was to turn to God and to pray. I was in the midst of my greatest nightmare. But I got on my knees and I said, God, if you're there, would you speak to me again? I'll do whatever you ask. I'll be obedient in this place or outside. And God came in and did a radical work in his life. He got out in 13 months for good behavior, 17 months. And to this day, he's a youth pastor at a church in Houston, Texas. That's an awesome story. That's an awesome story. Because you might be in your worst nightmare. You might be facing your greatest crisis and calamity. But God's not finished with your story yet. He's not finished with your story yet. I love how this story goes on. Jonah prays for three days. The Bible says that God caused the fish to throw Jonah up, to vomit him onto the shore. And then the Bible says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah again. Jonah went to the city of Nineveh, and he began to preach the truth. And the Bible says that the entire city repented, came clean, and God spared that city. What I love about this story is not just the purpose and the promise of redemption for Nineveh, but I love the fact that the word of the Lord came to Jonah again. He was in the middle of his greatest nightmare. He experienced a storm and God's grace and mercy came and said, I'm going to speak to you again because I'm not finished with your story yet. And I don't know what you walked into this room, what kind of burdens and cares and concerns you had. Maybe you've lived a life of disobedience to what God is speaking to you. Maybe you're running in the opposite direction or just simply drifting. Today's the day to come back. And I believe that the word of the Lord wants to come to you again. And when he speaks, will you be obedient? Will you be obedient? Because what's so great about the way that God works when we're obedient, it brings salvation to other people. It's not just about me. God used Jonah to save an entire city. What people are in this room or outside this building that are just waiting for you to be obedient to the voice of the Lord? What happens when you say yes to God? Whose lives will be changed for eternity if we'll just simply be obedient? Yeah, there's no doubt about it that sometimes God's going to ask us to do things That we don't want to do. And there will always be a ship sailing in the opposite direction. But we've got to know that when we're running, God may send a storm to grab our attention. You might be in the midst of your greatest nightmare, but it might be exactly what you need. To turn your focus and your attention onto who Jesus is. Because his plans for you are yes and amen. To prosper and to keep you. I love Jeremiah 29, 11. Plans for a hope and a future. God is not finished with your story yet.
Amen. There may be some of you in this room right now, and you say, man, I, I want that desperately. But I haven't even started in the first place with a, a relationship with Christ. I haven't said yes to him. And I feel a separation, a gap. And I just don't know if he'd even want me the way that I am with the, the burdens of the problems that I have, my past. I feel so separated. I try or I'll pray or I'll come to church and it just doesn't seem to work. You know what? The Bible talks about that gap. It calls it a sin gap. That sin is in my life and in your life. And there's a consequence for sin. And it's pretty big. It's death and an eternity in hell. But the Bible boasts of a radical solution through Jesus Christ. Who came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross. Paying the ransom. For your sin and mine. Closing that gap. So we can hear the voice of God speaking to us and be obedient to what he says. So we can experience peace and hope for the future. And that is a free gift. You don't have to get perfect. You don't have to fix everything. All you have to do is say yes to Jesus. Life doesn't get perfect, but it gets so good. If you're here today and you have never made that declaration of faith to say yes to Jesus, in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. You don't even have to get out of your seat. Nobody has to know that it's you. But right here in this moment, you can repeat it after me and speak it with faith. And I believe that God will do something radical in your life. And you can understand a life, a purpose, and hope, and future. In a moment, when I pray that prayer, if you've never made that declaration, just right where you're seated, in your own heart, just repeat it after me. And let's start something new. And everybody in this room, look at me in the eyes for just a moment. Some of you in this room have been running from God. Look at me in the eyes. Some of you have been drifting intentionally. You've not been obedient to what God's been speaking to you to do, to change, to stop, to start. And today is the day to change that. To be obedient to the voice of God. And when I pray that prayer, I want to challenge you today. I don't care who you are, how long you've been in the church. But if that's you and you've been running, today's the day to come running back to him. When we pray this prayer just in your own heart, just reconfirm your commitment to who Jesus is. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Nobody moving. Just for a few minutes. If you're here and you've never made that faith declaration, or if you're here today and you've been running, it's time to come back. I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. And I'm going to ask that everybody pray this out loud so nobody feels embarrassed. Everybody in the room, just repeat after me. Say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you've called me. But I've got sin in my life. Would you forgive me? Thank you for sending Jesus. To pay the payment for my sin. All across this room, just say this phrase. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Find out more about us at theocbooker.com or we'd love to meet you in person this Sunday. Until next time, we're